What's up, everybody? Welcome back to GMs for Hire. My name's Will Polson. Alongside with me today is RJ Strope from RJ's Pit Stop, as well as Matthew Perry from Perry's Pit. And I am, as mentioned earlier, I'm Will Polson. We're here to bring you another episode. We're through the first week, at least the first weekend of the season uh, for MLB. And then it's just a pleasure to say that baseball's back. And we're here to at least talk about the first impressions of teams uh, just off rip, whenever we're looking at it, I'm, I'm sure similar to me, I'm sure these two have watched plenty of MLB games. I'm sure it's just been great just to have the season back. I'm watching teams that I like, I'm learning about players. I didn't even know were in the league. So like, I'm, I'm watching so many teams that it doesn't, it's not even fun anymore. It, like I'm, I've learned way too much about Mets baseball over the last two days, but uh, nonetheless, uh, we're we're here. We're here to talk about at least the first week and the first impressions of some teams. So, first, boys, I want to talk about a team that off the first weekend gave you a really good first impression. Whenever you were watching them, you know it, it is very very early in the season, but who looked good at least from the first weekend? Uh, I'm going to start with you, RJ. Who did you? What team did you watch, or did you see that stat lines just kind of kind of put you on to a team that you may not have necessarily thought was going to look that good? Well, uh, you know, I hate to give you guys any kind of credit at all. Uh, it pains me. Um, I thought this team would be all right, but damn, Cincinnati looks good. Um, I understand they were playing the Tigers, and we know the Tigers are, you know, in, in a lot of trouble. They're rebuilding. Uh, man, Cincinnati really looks good. Really looks like the NL Central champions that, you know, a couple of y'all predicted they would be. Um, wow. I, I Like I said, I knew they would be decent. But, man, they're just coming out slapping the Tigers. I think every team in the league has a loss. Uh, so, I know the Tigers did beat them once. But, man, the Reds just – they look really good. Their pitching has been good. Their offense has been good. Uh, they're just – they are looking like a really complete team. Uh, and the rest of the division, you know, who knows? I don't think the Brewers look that good in their opening series against the Cubs, honestly. Um, and even in the with the Cubs, I don't think the Cubs look great. Uh, the Cardinals looked really good beating up on the Pirates. So we could see Cardinals and Reds, you know, going down the stretch here in August. That is another thing we'll have to talk about. We'll get to that later in the episode, the expanded playoffs. But um, before we get on to that, Matt, uh, going to you, and uh, what's a team that right off the rip that you thought um, or that at least gave you a good first impression? Uh, I have two, actually. Um, the San Diego Padres and the Oakland Athletics both looked really good uh, this past weekend, both off to three and one starts. Um, we saw the Athletics, uh, Matt Olson had that big walk-off grand slam the other night. That was fun to watch, and it was kind of – it was one of our first tastes of the new – um, extra innings rule that they implemented for this season where you could start with the runner on second base. Um, so that was pretty interesting to see. Uh, we saw Shohei Otani get like into a rundown on like the first play into that in the top of the 10th. Um, yeah, the athletics have looked good. The offense is clicking. Uh, pitching hasn't been too bad. They're holding it together pretty well. Um, just played the Angels so far, but you know, you're going against guys like Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. That's no easy task. Uh, the Padres, they had their series against the Diamondbacks. They took 
three or four. Their one loss was, I think it was like a four, three loss, uh, but their offense has been clicking, which is good. Uh, both these teams have a lot to prove. Um, neither of their divisions are easy. You know, one has to deal with the Dodgers, one has to deal with the Astros. Um, and with the Dodgers putting Kershaw on the shelf um, and kind of having some minor issues early, this could be a big opportunity for the Padres to kind of show what they can do. So uh, the Padres and the Athletics both definitely stood out to me uh, this past weekend. I really liked the Oakland Athletics whenever I was watching them. I thought that they were doing really good as well, uh, similar to uh, how you said. But another team, and I hate to say this to you, RJ, but another team that I thought looked good was the New York Mets. I, I thought watching their series against Atlanta, I thought they looked pretty solid. Yes, the Edwin Diaz came in and blew yet another save, but that's about vintage uh, New York Mets uh, Edwin Diaz right there. Marcelo Zuna took him oppo taco. And then uh, uh, whenever they got that runner on second in the top of the 10th, it was just an absolute slugfest against that Mets bullpen. But I, I think they looked really good, at least against Atlanta. And then today, uh, as we're recording this, they're playing the Boston Red Sox. And Michael Waka came out and put up a solid five innings. Um, a, a guy that I know very well being a Cardinals fan, uh, a guy that I saw tailor off, and I was very concerned about if he was going to be of any pitching caliber this season. I was actually shocked to see him actually make the rotation of the Mets. But he looked like he had a good little nice first start. He looked to be doing pretty solid. Granted, the Mets gave him seven runs of insurance by the time that he allowed a run. But, I mean, that, that just speaks to how the bats are going, too. The bats are doing well. Dominic Smith has been hitting really well. Um, Michael Conforto, Peter Alonzo. Uh, they're they're all kind of getting the bats warming up. Jeff McNeil's off to a very slow start, but the rest of the offense is kind of picking it up. Even Ahmed Rosario's finding holes, finding gaps. And so I really like that Mets team. That Mets team seems to be putting something together. And if that bullpen can at least hold up to uh, – if Edwin Diaz can go back to being Edwin Diaz that we saw in Seattle, look out for that Mets team, man, because and, – and this is all them without Syndergaard. So uh, I can only imagine what they would be like in a full season. So um, – Moving on to the team that didn't necessarily give you uh, your your expectation or at least give you a good vibe whenever you were watching them. Since I started with RJ, I'm going to start with Matt this time. What team watching this weekend kind of left a bad taste in your mouth whenever you were watching them play? Um, well, honestly, uh, I got to go with the Washington Nationals. They're, they're just coming off a series against the Yankees where the Yankees took two of three. Granted, the Nationals' one win, uh, a 9-2 to two win in the second game of that set, um, was pretty convincing. The offense finally clicked. But you had that rain-shortened first game where Garrett Cole one hit then through five. Obviously, we don't know how that would have ended. Um, but going off of the official scoreline, they didn't have much going besides an Adam Eaton home run. Uh, and then the last game against the Yankees yesterday, they blew a, what was it, a 2-0 lead, uh, wound up losing the game 3-2. The, the – the bullpen kind of just shit the bed, uh, you could say, after Patrick Corbin put up a fantastic performance. I think it was seven or eight strikeouts, six innings, only gave up a couple hits, um, only one run. And then today, um, just final, uh, the Blue Jays beat them four to one. And obviously the Blue Jays have some decent pieces, but you're the defending champs. You want to get off to a nice start. One and three is not uh, how you want to see it. Uh, Strasburg was pulled from his start the other night due to some, some nerve damage in his wrist. We don't know how serious that is yet, but um, not an ideal start for the Nats. I got I to gotta say, I don't think that's how you want to start it. 
I know that Anibal Sanchez started in that game and that the four runs from the Blue Jays all came from four different solo shots, including two from Teoscar Hernandez and then Rowdy Telez and Danny Jansen as well. Uh, I was watching that game as it was going. And, uh, you know, to be able to hold back the offense, great. But if you're giving up the long ball, you might as well just be giving up hits too. Uh, I mean, runs is what's important. It doesn't matter how many hits you have. And that Nationals team got off to a very slow start last season, 19 and 31 in their first 50. Not shocked to see them start off kind of poorly here at the start of the season. We'll have to keep an eye on the, on the reigning champs. Uh, RJ, moving to you, your team that whenever you were watching kind of left a bad taste in your mouth and wasn't exactly uh, what you thought they'd be or wasn't exactly fun to watch. Well, um, I, I didn't, you know, have much uh, faith in this team to believe, you know, to start off anyway. I don't think anybody really predicted them to do much. But, man, the Boston Red Sox are looking really, really bad. Um, I know if y'all go back and, you know, remember, I bet Jamil that the Baltimore Orioles would win single-digit games this year. At least at least make a little $5 bet right here between you and Jamil, 5, 10, 20. Put some money on that. The Baltimore Orioles will have single-digit wins. All right. Dollar amount. How much? Five bucks. And here they are already smoking the Red Sox. Like, what are we doing? Like, I know the Red Sox are trash, but you're supposed to beat Baltimore. Like, come on, guys. We cannot afford – I can't. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to win a bet here. Can't have the Red Sox out here losing – to the Orioles. I think the Orioles took two out of three from them, didn't they? Like, that's trash. What are we doing? This team lost a million games last year and a million games the year before, uh, and the Red Sox are just going out there looking awful. And I understand their pitching staff is banged up, no sale, no Rodriguez, and they're just – they have no pitching at all. Um, but, man, you, they look really, really bad. Uh, and I also – individual players getting off to slow starts – uh, my boy Acuna, Freeman, they were starting off slow for the Braves. Uh, Andrew McCutcheon, I know he started the season, what, 0 for 9. Aaron Judge hasn't had a great start. Uh, we've had a lot of, like, big-name players kind of just easing their way into this season and not not hitting the ground running like, you know, Nelson Cruz or some of them uh, that are just coming out swinging. Um, also, that's a team we didn't mention that looked good. Minnesota Twins, ouch. That. That might be the World Series team. Dropping bombs. I mean, yeah, Yeah. I want to say that they they were the team that broke the single season home run record for a team anyway. So, I mean, to hit home runs, you're not exactly shocked. But just to see the run production they were putting up was absolutely – against a White Sox team that a lot of people had open, at least least prior to the season. A lot of people loved the additions that the White Sox made, and that just – that didn't look good. (laughs) At least from that opening series, it did not look like those White Sox boys were ready. Um, but yeah, no, uh, to go off of your point, I was actually going to go with the same exact team, the Washington or whoa, uh, the Boston Red Sox, those Red Sox absolutely slammed on the gas on day one opening day. I want to say they blew the Orioles out of the water by a difference of like 11 runs. I want to say the final was 13 to two on that day. Absolutely phenomenal start. Nathan Avaldi looked good as an opening day starter. Um, actually did pretty decent and was, you know, it looked like the Red Sox may be, you know, putting something together. And then you drop two of three to the Orioles. And not just like you drop, like it was pretty convincing. 
the Orioles and <laughs> the Orioles are nothing to be kind of uh, no matter what your offseason was like. They lost their best player in Trey Mancini. Um, and then I want to say John Means was the opening day starter for the Orioles. So if no, who was? Was it? Uh, I believe it was Tommy Malone. Yeah, it was the Tommy Malone. Mr. Number 69. That's awesome. They said they said it was one of the worst opening day matchups of recent memory. Evaldi Tommy Malone versus- and Nathan Evaldi is a very piss poor <laughs> opening day matchup. But, um, yeah, no. Um, but if they did face John Means, then congrats. John Means is picking up where he left off. But, um, you know, that, that, that Orioles team should not be winning series. Like, I don't think – I think 10 wins is definitely manageable, but I don't think they should be losing – I don't think they should be taking two of three from anybody at all this season, at least in my opinion. Um, maybe if they were to have a full season, maybe be competitive with the Tigers or be competitive with a team like the Royals – but that's not the case. They're only playing uh, East teams, whether it be between the NL and the AL. So uh, other than the Marlins that actually played a pretty convincing weekend against the uh, Philadelphia Phillies, but we'll get to them here soon. Um, yeah, the Boston Red Sox, man, they just did not look good. And again, against somebody that I thought was struggling on the back half of his end, like uh, at least recently in Michael Walker, I thought he was going to have some trouble with some of the big names in that lineup, J.D. Martinez, Benintendi, Devers, Bogarts, Vasquez. I mean, there's a lot of names on that lineup card that could really scare you. And Waka came in and put up five innings and only allowed one run, I want to say. And then the bullpen came in, Chase and Shreve gave up a solo shot, um, and then some other runs here and there. But, then, like, that, that Red Sox team has been very underwhelming, at least from the start. And I know that pitching staff has been absolutely dismantled between Chris Sale being hurt, Eduardo Rodriguez being shut down, David Price being dealt. Um, it's not exactly the greatest look. Um, but, yeah. So, you I actually to- just reminded me when you uh, brought up the Marlins. Y'all, if you go back and look at the predictions episode, I was really big on the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, I thought the addition of Zach Wheeler to go with Aaron Nola, I think Jay Garrietta can bounce back. Kutch coming off the ACL is going to have a lot to prove. Harper's going to have a lot to prove. I actually really, really like the Philadelphia Phillies this year. And, man, they look like garbage against the Marlins, who also could go out there and only win single-digit games like the Orioles. Um, just, a, just a rebuilding team that has no business, you know, beating a potential playoff team like Philly. And, man, Philly starting off real slow. Miami Marlins went and took two out of three from that Phillies team. And I want to one of them I know was pretty convincing. And I want to say the final game in the, of the series, I want to say they put up like 11 or 12 runs. They, they had a pretty big offensive explosion. And whenever you think of that team, I mean, you're not, I don't know many people who could tell me five of the starting nine in that, in that, uh, in that Miami Marlins lineup, but I can give you a few, I mean, off rip, but I know Jonathan VR and Miguel Rojas are there, but after that, I'm shitting the bed myself. And I, <laughs> oh, Brian Anderson, yeah, I mean, but. Jorge Alfaro. Oh, Jorge Alfaro's there? <laughs> they got I, I know, oh, I saw Jesus Aguilar because I watched yeah. the game. I watched one of the games just because I have Jonathan VR and Didi Gregorius in fantasy. But uh, that's the only reason why I watched that series. What? It's key to mention that Didi is is off to a good start with the with the uh, Phillies. He, he is, is off to a pretty good start. 
So he, is, he is off to a pretty good start, getting that power surge really early on. Um, but I did want to mention one person that actually made his MLB debut and I thought looked really good was uh, Brady Singer. Brady Singer for the Royals had, had a, was the day two starter. Um, I forgot exactly who the Royals were playing in the, in the first week. Uh, I, I'd have to double check on that. But um, they look good. I, at least I thought so. I thought he did an amazing job. I want to say he went five scoreless or six scoreless, something along those lines. But Brady Singer, as a very early on pick, I remember a, a, a former first-round pick, uh, finally getting his chance, and he came up through the ranks pretty early. So uh, congratulations to Brady Singer uh, making your MLB debut and actually doing pretty damn good on your, in your debut as well. Um, but the Indians. Indians. There you go. Hey, there you go. Oh, yeah, he was going against uh, Clevenger. Yeah. Yeah. Because Bieber came out and looked like an absolute monster his day one. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> he picked up right, uh, like, in the Cy Young talk, dropped, like, 14 Ks and then just, like, went yeah. on about um, I got like 10Ks this year, I'm pretty sure. Carrasco looked really good. Yeah, yeah, took Carrasco and DK that day. But nope. um, moving, moving back to the Miami Marlins, this has been a big thing, uh, especially news coming out today as we're recording this. It is uh, the 27th of July, and this has been huge situation. After the Philadelphia Phillies series, they tried to make their way back to Miami, I want to say, um, for a home series. And the game got canceled for an increase in COVID cases from the Miami Marlins team. Uh, at the start of the season, I want to say they had four people already on the COVID list, which is, if not the highest, one of the highest amount of players on the COVID injured list for the MLB. Um, after the series, they had two coaches and eight more players test positive, putting their grand total at 14. 14 people in their organization testing positive for COVID-19. Uh, a lot of people say it's a hoax, man, but come on. The, the numbers are there. Like, come on, get with the times. Like, this is, this is affecting people, and this is affecting people quickly. Um, the Philadelphia Phillies early on, I know, was a team that had a lot of COVID cases, and so uh, I guess they thought it was over. Maybe not, or maybe it's just something internal from the Miami Marlins. I know that Miami is a hotbed for COVID right now, uh, Florida especially, Miami specifically. Um, and, and so it's, a, it's like a breeding ground for coronavirus down there. Um, and right now they've put games on hold. The Phillies game also got put on hold. I want to say they were facing the Yankees, uh, or at least scheduled to face the Yankees tonight, and that got postponed. Uh, Miami was supposed to face Baltimore. Um, those series have at least been put off for today. I've already seen talks about tomorrow's game possibly getting called off as well. Um, this is something that is kind of terrifying because uh, Rob Manfred strikes me as a guy who would just be an idiot and throw away the whole season away um, just because of a team or two. But um, at the same time, it's not like you can just eliminate those teams from contention because then you'd have to find – 10 more games for these teams to play because these, uh, you know, between the, the Marlins and the Phillies, that's a lot of, it's a lot of games, at least for that East Eastern division teams. Um, Matt, you, you have an opinion on this. I saw your hand up. Yeah. I just, I think Rob Manfred is so, so very incompetent and I would love to see anybody else, anybody else be the commissioner of the MLB. I, I don't care if Bud Selig comes back and starts handing out drugs to everybody, giving everyone the steroids. Well, you know how I'm against all that. 
But I'm, at this point, I'd rather have that than the shit that Rob Manfred's pulling. You see the other league called this trophy a piece of metal. Yeah, it's you much know, more, a piece of shit commissioner he is. It's much more than a piece of metal. I think we can all agree on that. But you see other leagues doing such a great job. You see the NBA, they have a bubble, no cases, no new cases, I think, or maybe like a handful, maybe. I know the NHL, they had a testing result come out today. Zero new cases. They got their bubble up in Toronto, up in uh, Edmonton, that area, up in Canada. They're doing a great job. I, I love the way that these other leagues are handling it. I know it was different for the MLB because the players and um, – Owners can come to a consensus on how to handle a bubble-type scenario, whether that be in Florida or in uh, Arizona. But, you know, there's something, something has to give. You know, you can't shut a whole season down because of one team. I don't think that's fair to anybody, especially since we just got this thing started. Although it is important, there's got to be something you can do. Um, Rob Manfred needs to get his shit together and figure something out because he's making the entire league look bad at this point. You know, MLB looks like a, a, an absolute joke, especially when a, a third of your team, um, of your active roster, like the Marlins, is testing positive. You know, you can't play under those circumstances. And people it, were excited to have baseball back. I mean, even people who aren't baseball fans were watching baseball. Um, uh, on average, at a time, uh, I think the report was that the, the opening day game between the Nationals and the Yankees averaged about 4 million viewers at a time and that is a record that hasn't been broken since 2011 for an opening or for any regular season game in the MLB and that's massive the fact that you're getting people to actually watch baseball um, especially for uh, uh, baseball has been considered a dying sport for quite some time now um, a lot of the numbers have gone down a little bit um, and I know that they couldn't come to a consensus on the bubble because a lot of the money that's made from teams are through local radio and local television stations so they tried to get everything back at their own stadiums. But right now it looks like it's costing, you know, it's at least costing two teams right now. And who's to say it's not going to cost more. Um, we'll have to see exactly RJ, any opinions that you have on this as well. This is going to keep happening. Um, there's only so much that Rob Manfred and the MLB can do at some point. The teams just have to be vigilant about this. Um, the players have to take extra precaution, wear masks more often, maybe while you're running the base path. I think Bryce Harper did it the other day. Um, every first baseman's going to have to wear a mask now uh, because, you know, if you're going to be there – I mean, honestly, everybody. Just mask up everybody. Um, do a better job of social distancing when you get back to the team hotel. You're just going to have to – this is more on the players, in my opinion, than it is Rob Manfred. I don't think Rob Manfred has done a great job necessarily, but I don't think there's anything he can do. Um, if you're gonna, if you're gonna not socially distance and not wear a mask, and you're gonna risk getting the virus, there's nothing Rob Manfred can do about that. There's 60 players on all 30 of these teams. I'm not a math guy. I'm not gonna sit here and try to do the math, but that's a lot of players. Rob Manfred can't sit there and watch every single player. So this is more on the players. And this is going to keep happening if players don't take this more seriously. Um, this is a big-time virus that is easy to spread. You're going to see more cases. You just are. And I just pray that you don't see a big-name player get it, say, right before the playoffs or, say, you know, a couple days before the World Series starts 
and, you know, a big-time player gets it. Um, but as far as this regular season, we're going to see more cases. We are. This will not be the last one. And I don't really think that it's Rob Manfred's fault. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily the player's fault either. I think shit happens. Um, you can be as careful as you want. There's still a good chance you're going to get it. Uh, there is no 100% safe way to do this. Um, not even the NHL bubble or the NBA bubble. They're still going to have a couple cases here and there. There's not a 100% safe way to play. The only way to make sure that there's no cases is if you don't play the games. And I don't think we want to see that. I think we want baseball. We want football, basketball, hockey, NASCAR. We want every sport to be back. And we're getting it. And we're just going to have to deal with some of the little speed bumps that are going to occur this season. Um, they did talk about the expedited testing, how both teams got tested today and the results or the tests were being driven to Rutgers University so they could hopefully have the results back by tonight, maybe tomorrow morning. That's good. We're not having to wait, you know, 10 days or whatever for some results. Um, so I don't think this is going to derail the season that bad. Um, this, to me, honestly, you are going to have a couple games get postponed here and there, but it's the middle of the summer. We see games get postponed for rain all the time. And that's kind of what I think this is going to be. You're going to have a little two-game series here that you're going to have to make up some other time. And really, the benefit this year is not having fans in the stands. Really, the home field deal doesn't matter. Um, so, like, the Orioles at the Marlins, this, this two-game series that's, you know, getting messed up, those games don't have to be played in Miami. Like, if you had to, you could go play them in Baltimore. Like, if, if it's safer or, you know, if it's cleaner or whatever, you could play those games in Baltimore. It's not like it's an unfair home field advantage. It's not like anybody gives a shit about the Orioles or the Marlins anyway. They're both going to be last place anyway. Like, you're just going to see this. this it's going to keep popping up. And, uh, yeah, it's a big deal. I get it. Uh, but at this point, I think people are kind of searching uh, to, to find more bad things to – you know, put on Rob Manfred's plate. Maybe he's not the best, but I, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and blame him for every single situation. I wouldn't be shocked to see mandatory masks throughout the league. I think that's going to be the next step. Um, as you said, the easiest way to make sure that nobody gets it is to disband the whole season. And I don't think that's going to be necessarily the smartest move. Um, even, even if a team is in a bubble, such as the NBA, such as uh, the NHL. If one person gets it and doesn't know, and they're asymptomatic, that exactly. can cause hellfire. That well, that's is, tested so often, right? And they are tested so often. Luckily, that is that is a good thing. But I mean, e even people can be asymptomatic and still get it. Yes, well, forty three hundred tests went out today for the NHL, and everybody came back clean. But who's to say that one person doesn't get it? And then, you know, they have, I'm assuming, what are they getting tested every other day? It's, it's, right. yeah, it's every day. Every similar day. to that. I'm, I'm not sure of the whole parameters on it, but, you know, like I was just even telling my dad, like I, I was telling him, yeah, I got a negative test, but I got a negative test two weeks ago. You know, there's no telling that I could have it right now and be asymptomatic. Um, but, you know, whatever the case may be, somebody could have a test, get done, and then they could test po negative that time and then maybe test positive on the next test, but they could have contracted it somewhere between that time. 
And then anybody that they were exposed to in between those two testing, it was exposed to the virus as well. well um, that's, that's the thing. That's why, that's why the U.S. and so many countries, I mean, the U.S. didn't handle it properly, but that's why so many other countries are now back to near normal because they, they quarantined properly and keeping them in this bubble, you can't, you can't get COVID if it, there's no COVID there. So if you get everyone isolated for a long enough time, they're staying consistent on the testing, you know, you're not going to have any positives and it can't cause hellfire. I mean, we've already seen a few examples of NBA players leaving the bubble to go do DoorDash or whatever, whatever they were doing. Something or to go food. to a gentleman's club for some people. Yeah. <laughs> to get the, the chicken wings. Gentleman's club, yeah. Um, but see, without, yeah, that's like the only thing only way they do that and hopefully teams kind of crack down on that because that shouldn't be happening but you know you're gonna you're gonna see a lot of a lot more negatives than anything else just because they're handling it properly that's how the whole country should handle it we'll see exactly how it goes um whether it be i don't even think the mlb is going to go to a bubble here i think it's a little bit too late for that um but we'll see exactly how everything's going to be handled here sooner rather than later i'm sure because i mean all the teams have to play 60 games in 66 days. It, it is a very short and condensed season. Um, and to have to keep postponing games, and yes, you can make them up, but it, you are running out of time to try to make those games up. Um, and, and we can't have some teams playing 60 games and some teams playing 58 or 56. So we're we're going to get this, – this season already has a big enough asterisk next to it no matter what happens. Let's not try to add more to it. So um, – until then, we'll try to figure out what the hell is actually going to happen with the MLB season. And if we have any updates, I'm sure that another episode will come out on this show. Um, I'm sure we'll definitely keep, especially any big breaking news, we'll, we'll definitely have that. Um, maybe they just drop it to, to, uh, to 28 teams and just say, screw the Marlins and the Orioles, but, <laughs> you know, but, or, or the Marlins and the Phillies. But we'll figure that out. Uh, we got a couple more minutes left on this. Any closing words for anybody here? Um, I do think it's key to mention that the Marlins had the choice of um, playing last night's game or not against the Phillies. Uh, they had a clubhouse meeting and they decided to go ahead and play. Um, this obviously leads me to believe that um, they kind of knew there was an outbreak forming. Because, uh, I mean, like you said, yeah, they already had like four guys on the, on the shelf because of this. So, um, but they did give it to go ahead to play. And you got to feel bad for teams like uh, the Phillies, the Yankees, and the Orioles just because, you know, they don't know if they're playing tomorrow. And that uncertainty can kind of mess with the mojo, kind of mess with the flow. You know, it's this this season is quite literally a marath- uh, sprint, not a marathon. It used to be it being a marathon. So, you know, this, there's a lot of change real quick for these players. And the uncertainty with um, the COVID issues just kind of throws it off. So I, I kind of feel bad for those teams, but hopefully, hopefully everyone's healthy um, on those other teams and they can all get back to playing as soon as possible. Luckily, the MLB does have a rule and set to where you cannot come back until you have two negative tests back to back before you can come back. So uh, even if you get a false negative right away, I mean, the MLB does at least have those precautions in there before you can get back out on the field. So uh, hopefully we'll see something clear up for the Miami Marlins. Uh, RJ, any closing thoughts on this situation? Uh, yeah, I would say the cardboard cutouts that are in the stands, they help. That I, I've really enjoyed it, honestly. Um, 
it makes it look at least a little bit normal. I will say the the Fox broadcast I watched, I think it was Saturday, uh, where they had like the animated fans at Wrigley. I wasn't a fan of that. I don't like that. Just put the cardboard cutouts and uh, the sound that we're hearing on TV with the cheering and all that. Sounds I like great. it, honestly. It yeah. feels like a normal baseball game to me. So I think they're doing good job there. I like that. Yeah, if you if you if you see the cardboard cutouts and you and you're hearing that noise, you almost or or like with the with the new setup for the new Rangers Stadium, you can't even see the the seat a lot of the seats behind home plate. So you're just hearing that noise. It almost feels real, you know. It almost yeah. feels like nothing's different. I watched a, one of the Rangers and Rockies games. And you can see, like, just some spots right behind home plate. But uh, I think their field's kind of lower. I want to say that their seats are more elevated above it. And so all you could hear was that fan noise. And, boy, those brand-new speakers in that stadium were booming. I mean, it, it didn't matter. If it was a 3-0 count, man, it was almost deafening in there just yeah. to get some some of the cheers going. And so it, it's a really cool situation to see them going on. But uh, <laughs> the cardboard cutouts are – they're, if, if nothing else, they're at least entertaining just to see some of them because sometimes a foul ball gets ripped. I know that already we've already had a foul ball get ripped on one, and then it literally put a hole through, like, the cardboard cutout's neck. Uh, we've, we've seen Jeff McNeil's dog get hit by a home run ball. Um, it's at least been entertaining to see the cardboard cutouts out there. You see the chipper cutout at Stadium? What's that? You see the Chipper Jones cut out at City Field? I did. Him and his son, it's amazing. It's, it's just so good. And then, like, my, my stepmom, my dad, and I were all watching the, the A's game today, and we were trying to pick out who's behind home plate because we were finding pets. We're finding Hall of Famers. We're finding everybody back there. So the cardboard cutouts have at least been, uh, <laughs> like I said, fun, if not anything else. So um, until then uh, – we, we've been the GMs for hire, and fi- luckily, uh, you know, uh, other than NASCAR, we at least have baseball back now. You know, if for, for anybody who's not necessarily a NASCAR fan or didn't pick up on it, I know I edit every episode, so I've, I'd be, I know more about NASCAR now than I ever have ever in my life or ever wanted to know. But, hey, you know, it's part of life, and I'll, I'll accept any sports we can get at this point. And so right now it's baseball, but until then – uh, I've been Will Paulson, that's Matthew, and that's RJ Strope. We've been the GM for Dyer, and we'll see you on the next one. Peace.